Well, welcome back, everyone, to another podcast episode with NaturallyHealingAutism.com. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and we have yet another uh, episode of Interview the Expert here, where I've got today Paula Vetter, who is a registered nurse of over 30 years. She's a holistic family nurse practitioner, certified herbalist, Reiki master, and she's certified in CIRS, which stands for Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome. And this is what our subject is going to be on today. Uh, a lot of people have heard now a little bit, um, one of my past episodes, we touched on the mold biotoxin illness. And it's when the body cannot genetically dispel the toxins that uh, that come in and the cascade of inflammation that happens when we're exposed to mold from water damaged buildings or even water damaged cars. So uh, Paula is an expert in this field and it's something that really, really touches children with autism and is commonly uh, missed. It's commonly not, not known about. It does take a specialist to really find this. So I'm going to really have Paula answer a lot of these special questions about the right labs to use and the right doctor doctors who really know how to not only detect this, but also will know how to properly treat it. Because it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a lot more tricky than it sounds like. And your general practitioner just is not able to really take care of the entire process from beginning to end that needs to happen. So welcome, Paula, and thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure, Karen. It's nice to get the word out about this this potentially devastating illness that can be successfully treated, but just not enough people know about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I actually found out that I have some of those genetic aspects, and it's twenty four percent of the population has this. So, you know, you could walk into you know, children might go to school and feel anxiety or headaches, and the parents might think, oh, it's just school making them nervous. But it could actually be that the mold exposure is from their school, or somebody could be in a workplace or a public bathroom. Public bathrooms are notorious for having mold issues, or things in your home that are missed. So I'd really like to also touch on how, especially in a home, um, the different tests that people could do in their homes, as well as how to detect uh, when themselves or their child might have this. Absolutely. The, uh, you know, what, what we find is that um, there are a lot of, of good, quote, mold remediators out there, and what they do works for 75% of the population. But the problem is if you have this genetic susceptibility to chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which 24% of the population has, as you mentioned, those standards are not nearly good enough. And I've seen people waste tens of thousands of dollars on remediating their home, usually done by someone with the best of intentions, but they are not familiar with CIRS and the different standards that are required. So when you're, when you're looking at your home or workplace, it's important, number one, to get correct testing done because there's all kinds of testing, which again has to be very specific for people with CIRS. And then once you've identified an issue, it needs to be dealt with by someone who's familiar with the illness and the very strict standards that are required to deal with that. Right. And can you touch into how people can, uh, what, what symptoms are common to look for so that parents might have an idea as well? I know some of them actually mimic autism, but some of the symptoms and then uh, 
the, the, those, those doctors that, that you're talking about, the certified practitioners such as yourself, how people find those people? Um, yeah, first of all, when, when it comes to, to symptoms, they're, they're kind of generic symptoms that can mimic lots of things. And people with CIRS are frequently misdiagnosed with chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or attention deficit or autism, um, you know, lots of, of things because general symptoms are severe fatigue, muscle aches, joint aches, sensitivity to light, brain fog, sometimes anxiety or depression, difficulty concentrating, um, excessive thirst, frequent urination, um, headaches, sinus symptoms. So they can be very, very generic. The problem is the screening tests that are done by uh, family physicians, general practitioners, do not do the tests that are specific to diagnose CIRS. It can be pretty easily diagnosed, but it takes a handful of very specific and kind of expensive tests to do that. So I always recommend that people go to Dr. Shoemaker's website, thesurvivingmold.com, he lists the, uh, you know, the common symptoms, and if, if you find that you've got, um, you know, 10 or 12 of those out of the ones that are listed, it's worth doing the online vision test and the genetic test to see if you fall into that 24%. If that's the case, then it's definitely worth having your doctor order the specific blood tests that will make a definitive definition or de definitive diagnosis. Right. And that, that visual test on survivingmold.com. And just so for the listeners, I will link to the, uh, the websites that we discuss in this so you don't have to worry about hazardly trying to write them down right now. Uh, naturallyhealingautism.com at the bottom of the page below this podcast, I will link to everything we discuss uh, that, that has a link. Um, the VCS test is really helpful. It's only, I think, $15 a U.S. dollars, and it's able to tell you quite a bit of information. Now, I'm wondering for children maybe with autism or of, of young ages, Paula, what would you say is the, you know, they may be the youngest age or that they're able to do the, the VCS test? Uh, that that really is is extremely variable because it's, you're, you're basically looking for, um, um, discrimination in shades of gray um, because with with CIRS the biotoxin damages the optic nerve it's a it's a nerve toxicity that uh, affects your contrast sensitivity so the child doesn't have to be able to identify letters or numbers they just need to be able to say you know the line is pointing this way or that way so you know children as young as uh, four or five have been able to do it um, but it varies a lot with their attention span and their ability to, to cooperate. So with children, if there is a, you know, you've got 10 or 12 symptoms and the genetic blood test shows that they are susceptible, I think it's worth seeing a CIRS specialist at that point, even if the VCS test is not terribly conclusive. And I know that some of these, there are, there are quite a handful of doctors around now or practitioners that are certified with the CRS protocol. Uh, 
do you feel that somebody really should be seen in person or can they start with a phone consultation, maybe start getting the labs done, maybe where they live, even if the practitioner is distant from them? And then when necessary, if needed, then they can go see the doctor just because people are, are scattered all over and there, there, there aren't CIRS certified practitioners everywhere. So how do you feel it's best for people to go about that? Yeah, uh, when I when I got my certification two and a half years ago, I was number twelve mm. uh, to be certified, and now that number has at least doubled. So, but we're still talking, you know, very few practitioners for a whole lot of people who need them. Um, my personal feeling is, and and I know that there are a handful of people who would disagree with this. My personal feeling is, I can get so much more information by putting my eyes and my hands on someone that I can get from a phone consult. Right. So when I was clinically seeing patients, I insisted on that first visit being in person. The other reason for that is these labs are extremely sensitive and they're only done correctly by a handful of labs around the country. So you can have a, a practitioner with, you know, with a, the best of intentions saying, okay, we'll go to this lab in, in your city and get these labs done and the results may not be dependable, in which case they've spent a whole lot of money. So the, the certified physicians know who in their area does these and does them correctly. So I, I personally believe that that first in-person visit is very important. I scheduled my new patients for a two and a half hour visit for that first time. Okay. And so if they were traveling to you or a practitioner that's certified, they could come and see you and have you get the labs done. So it's one trip they make. And then after that, would they be able to be treated at distance if they live far away from that practitioner? Frequently, that's the case, yes. And obviously, I, I can't, you know, I can't give a disclaimer that that works in every case, depending right. on what the labs show and, you know, if there's anything else going along um, with CIRS. But uh, I was able to successfully treat several people at a distance, uh, working with their primary care person. And in the in the uh, manual I just wrote, I have a, a section for people to give their primary care practitioners. So after a good workup, an accurate diagnosis, and initial labs, a lot of things can be coordinated with a local primary care practitioner as long as they're able to um, or willing to get up to speed on basically what the illness is and what it requires. So it saves a lot of time and, and travel for patients. Right. And can you go over some of the, um, the very specific needs to work with treating? You know, I want to get into uh, something that's called Marcon's, which is an antibiotic-resistant staph uh, infection that gets in the nasal passages. It's very common uh, with um, the, the, the mold inflammatory uh, response, that and how it's treated. Um, and if there are, I've, I've heard too, there are some herbal remedies coming out that can be uh, different than, um, you know, just the, the pharmaceutical ones, which are fairly gentle anyway, but for people who really are looking for something completely natural, do you know of, of some resources as well? So what are, what are people doing, able to do to treat this? Well, the, the key thing is, you know, Dr. Shoemaker, who is in Maryland, is the guru who first identified this syndrome back in 1998. 
and God bless him, he is a compulsive data collector uh, and has data on more than 10,000 patients uh, who've been treated through surviving mold since, since the, the late 90s. Um, his protocol has evolved over time, but the, the key thing, the mantra that I teach everyone that I come in contact with is the protocol works if you work the protocol. So it's important to follow each step of the protocol. There is nothing in there that hasn't been tested and proven over and over again. So one of the call, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a holistic nurse practitioner. I am a certified herbalist. I believe in the, in the natural approach as much as possible, but there are some, some cases where uh, when a patient has this uh, resistant staph infection that occurs in the sinuses, um, the Beg spray, which is a, it's a pharmaceutical product, but if it's used early and properly, has the best chance of eradicating um, the, the uh, colonization of the bacteria in the sinuses. The important thing for people to remember is it's not the mold that makes them sick, it's the mold byproducts that trigger a chemical release of cytokines in the body. Cytokines are inflammatory chemicals that cause massive inflammation in every system. And that's the reason people with CIRS are sometimes looked at as um, that you're, you're a little off or you're a little crazy because there can't be one problem that's causing sinus problems and forgetfulness and fatigue and sleep disturbance and urination and you know all of these crazy things that don't seem to fit together but it's that massive inflammatory response if you follow the protocol step by step in order precisely that's your best chance of, of working. There are a lot of the herbal things that down the road, once we've worked through the protocol, can be extremely helpful. You know, things like oregano oil, olive leaf oil, uh, monolaurin, uh, glutathione. But the problem is if you haven't corrected the genetic abnormality and the cytokines, then you're overburdening sometimes the detox pathways. Um, I've seen detox programs be extremely helpful, but in patients with CIRS in the active phase, a detox can actually make symptoms worse. Um, so I, I really preach, do the protocol as it's described. There's not a lot of pharmaceutical stuff. It's the cholestyramine or well call to bind the toxin, the beg spray if they have the staph colonization in the sinuses. And outside of that, there really isn't a lot of pharmaceutical intervention. It's patients paying attention to symptoms, tracking their symptoms and where they go, and then following the protocol. Yeah, it's surprising. Um, I can walk into a room sometimes. I was in a hotel room at a conference recently and I just felt really headachy and dizzy, and I'm not a headache person. And I was just like, what is going on? I was had this mental fog, and I thought, there's mold in this room. I just knew it, you know, and I didn't see anything anywhere, but I knew probably under the carpeting or whatever. And, um, you know, I felt pretty awful the whole time I was there. When I came home, I was fine. Like it kind of cleared out and I did take some cholestyramine to kind of get rid of the little bits of, you know, excess because now, you know, you can get onto a maintenance where you get control of it and then you're able to, to dispel it pretty easily if you grab it quickly enough. <laughs> you, were, you were very wise because in many people... Um, they will notice within two or three minutes that they're, and, they, and mm -hmm. the symptoms you get 
um, for a given person are usually the same. You know, whether it's the headache or the eyes burning or the sinus issue or the, the brain fog. Well, sometimes it happens very quickly. And then there are other symptoms that may not show up for 24 to 48 hours. But the key is listen to your body. When you had those symptoms, you knew enough not to stay mm -hmm. um, because they just continue to get worse and you begin to spiral downward. But the key is keeping, once you've had this diagnosis and you've gone through treatment, keep the CSM on hand because using it even preventatively if you're going to go into some place you're not familiar with maybe even taking it you know a couple doses before you go um, to help you know your your resistance to those water damage buildings yeah absolutely and then um, it's also important especially because we're, we're talking a lot to children uh, parents of children with autism that this can really affect the brain and its ability to function um, and if you uh, there's a, a neuroquant test uh, maybe Paula you could mention about that that people can take to see how the brain is actually being affected um, by this particular illness as well Yes, there's, if you go to the Surviving Mold website, um, there is a brilliant essay on there by Dr. Mary Ackerley um, called Brain on Fire. And it's, you can read the whole article through the, the site there. But the, these toxins are especially damaging to the brain and they can cause confusion, anxiety, depression, difficulty concentrating, memory loss, all of those kinds of things. The neuroquant is relatively recent. It's, it's been done for the, about four years and they're using it for a number of things, but we found that, it, and it's, a, it's an MRI of the brain done without contrast, but they need to know to do the neuroquant, you can't go back and apply it to an old MRI. So it needs to be ordered as an MRI with NeuroQuant, and there are, there are centers all over the country who do it. Um, but what they do is once the MRI is done, and there's nothing different for the, the child or for the patient, but once the MRI is done, they apply a computer analysis to that MRI, and it measures the volume of different brain structures. And we see a fingerprint of CIRS, that particular brain structures are either enlarged or shrunken it's different with Alzheimer's it's different with Parkinson's it's different with traumatic brain injuries but as we're learning more and researching more each of these problems has a specific fingerprint on the MRI so that can be a real help in diagnosis and sometimes in insurance coverage yeah I, I recall that the test was not astronomically expensive it was actually pretty reasonable to as brain scans go it was I want to say it was less than a hundred dollars U.S. dollars. Yeah, to add on to the to right. the MRI, I think I think it runs around around a hundred and a quarter. Last time I okay. ordered one, which has been a year or so, um, but yeah. So the, you, you, the MRI generally is is covered or at least partially covered by insurance, and then to add the neuroquant, a lot of insurances are covering it because it's a minimal additional charge. It gives us a tremendous amount of information. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're working with somebody who particularly has brain and neurological issues already, you want to be able to know that you can 
rule certain things out because sometimes we're treating a child for their gut issues, their heavy metal detoxification, and we're really supporting the brain as best we can. But if this mold biotoxin, this cascade of inflammation is going on in the body and in the brain, it can be causing a whole new slew of, of, uh, of, of symptoms that you're not going to get better unless you find out that this is one of the causes. And it's very, very common, as I said, 24% of the population. And uh, Paula, there are a couple of, of uh, fairly simple and again, fairly inexpensive tests that people can do on their home environment or a school or places that you might frequent. Uh, so can you mention those as well? Yes, um, the, the company that has been stellar in terms of providing good quality testing and analysis is, is a company called Mycometrics, uh, which is mycometrics.com. And the test we use is actually a DNA identification of the type of mold. And we know once we've identified the type, we know the toxins that it produces and which ones are apt to have the most devastating uh, physical and psychological effects on people. So the, from Mycometrics, you would get an ERMI, E-R-M-I uh, test. Um, and it, it's the environmental, um, you know, test that looks for the specific um, molds and mold byproducts. Um, and then you'll get a score back. Uh, they'll email you a score. They send you a kit to collect the, the, the dust sample from your environment. Again, the important thing is follow the instructions exactly. We usually recommend the Swiffer cloth test and you have to let the dust settle for several days before you do it. If you're a fanatical housekeeper, just stay away with the dust cloth for a while. <laughs> In my house, that would not be a problem. <laughs> Collect the, collect the sample as they instruct, then you put it in the envelope, mail it back to the company. They do the total analysis and email the results that the patient can then share with their practitioner and their environmental expert. Right. Because that is really, really key is that if you okay, find out you've got this mold biotoxin issue going on, then what's the source? Because you've got to find the source. You've got to find, um, I have a friend who was living in a home that they had built new and she said, oh, the house is new. It couldn't, and they found some mold in the wall, inside the wall, and it was getting through to her and she had that, that issue going on. So it, it can be surprising where it is, but you've really got to find out. And cars, vehicles can have mold in them yes. as well. Yes, so you absolutely. really want to find your source so you don't just keep getting recontaminated contaminated all the time uh, inhaling that and creating it in your more in your body as you're treating it as well or after you've treated it you want to make sure that you don't have that exposure continually precisely precisely so you know the home is is usually the first area we look at because that's where people spend most of their time uh, so making sure that that's tested but cross contamination is always uh, a big concern as well and it doesn't take a lot you know I had a, an individual a patient that I was treating that um, you know their home had been remediated and cleared and everything was doing really well but her kids were going to a moldy school and they came home every day with their backpacks well it didn't take long for the home to get contaminated just mm. because those backpacks were in a moldy school all day the kids didn't have symptoms they didn't have the genetic propensity uh, you know or it hadn't been activated yet 
Um, so they didn't have symptoms, but the fact they were bringing this into the home environment, she began to get symptomatic again. So um, again, you know, people need to know how to set up a, a decontamination room or how to have a safe space where those kinds of things are left and don't enter the clean space to affect the person that, that is involved. So it's a, it's a, a process, a learning process that people really have to know the things that are going to make a difference in their recovery process. Right. And Paula, I know that you have just released a book that you have co-authored, I believe, with a couple other people who are specialists in this. Could, could you talk about your new book a little bit? Absolutely. It was a, a labor of love. Um, I, I treated patients with CIRS for two years, and my uh, two colleagues are Lori Rossi, who's a, an RN of, of uh, about 30 years, and uh, she has CIRS. She's a CIRS uh, survivor uh, and thriver um, and she was the case manager for our practice so she did a lot of the intake and education uh, for patients and Cindy Edwards who is a general contractor and a certified building analyst uh, trained in CIRS so the three of us used a, a, a multidisciplinary team approach uh, in our practice and uh, when I found it necessary to retire for health reasons we said we can't let all of this knowledge that we've accumulated go to waste so we collaborated on this book that is it's called surviving and thriving a recovery manual for patients and families impacted by CIRS it's a mouthful um, but the, the, the point was, um, you know, Dr. Shoemaker has written uh, a couple of brilliant books on CIRS, uh, but they're, you know, they're thick books, they're fairly technical. So we wanted a way to distill that information into user-friendly terms and give people the practical information they needed to deal with day by day. So uh, we've taken thousands of, page, of pages of CIRS research and distilled it into about 160 pages of a workbook-like checklists and guidelines and specific tips and bullet points, specific resources that people can go to and know that they're going to get accurate information and they're going to have the day-by-day -day survival skills they need to move forward in a way that matters. Awesome. That sounds great. That's what I'm all about. That's how I wrote my book as well. There's so much information on certain subjects, but you don't want to just overwhelm somebody with a bunch of, you know, technical information. It has to be put into practical use. Like how can the lay person digest the information, absorb it, understand it, and then be able to use it and utilize it. Exactly. So that's great. Um, yeah, that'll be really helpful. And I know uh, Cindy Edwards actually inspected my home once, and um, it is important to have one of these certified specialist technicians when it comes to mold because there are a lot of companies that will say that they work with mold, but they really don't have the specific training that is needed. So um, those, and I believe, is it micrometrics that are the ones that train or wonder makers? This is also in my book, naturallyhealingautism.com, but I'm trying to remember there's a, a specific wonder company. Makers, wonder makers does some of, uh, some of that training uh, and uh, the Building Performance Institute um, does some of the training, uh, but the key, you know, there's, there's a lot of very well-meaning people out there, but we don't know what we don't know. 
Uh, and if they have not been educated about CIRS and the very stringent standards, like I said, it can, it can make things worse rather than better. And then you always have the handful of people who know that there are desperate people out there looking who make all kinds of, of promises and, and their business practices are, are a little unscrupulous. So you have to be, you have to be discerning and know that you've got somebody who has your best interests at heart. So right. People because can go to the, the um, surviving and thriving book.com um, to, to order the book with uh, the resource list and the references. And um, like I said, we have, we have the practical approach that people really need to get by day by day. Okay, wonderful. And again, I will link to that at naturallyhealingautism.com right below this podcast so that uh, you have that resource available, all these, uh, these, these things that we've talked about as far as the links. Because again, I like to mention that um, your air conditioning ducts and your heating ducts and things up above in your attic that you're not thinking of, you might be thinking of things down below. You turn on the heater that hasn't been on for months or you turn on the air conditioner and you can start blowing uh, mold toxins into your home and inhaling them. So, you know, there are, there are this inspection aspect or finding it, um, finding your source is really crucial as well. Is, is there anything else that you have to add before we, before we wrap up, Paula? Well, I guess, you know, with, with it, um, you know, being vacation time now, one of the sections that we have in the book is, is how to travel safely with CIRS. Uh, and just something as practical as questions to ask a hotel on the phone before you make your reservation. Um, you know, what kinds of, of questions are important that are going to tell you what's likely to be safe versus what isn't. Um, and we have sample letters for your school, for your employer, for a potential landlord. If you're going to rent a new home or you're looking to buy a new home, uh, what do you need to, you know, write into the contract? What do you need to have in your uh, homeowner's insurance to cover you in the event of water damage? So again, just the practical things that nobody thinks about until they have a problem. Um, but the, the key thing that people need to know is that this is diagnosable, it is treatable, even though it is a genetic susceptibility with the VIP nasal spray, we are probably seeing a cure for CIRS in the future. The, the, the initial research into the VIP is showing uh, reversal of changes in the neuroquant and the ability to switch off that gene. That tendency to have a, an issue down the road will always be there, but we, you know, the, the switch can be flipped again, but we actually have probably the ability to flip that switch and make people with CIRS able to function much more normally in the everyday world. So there is hope and people are not alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, well, you mentioned Lori, but uh, many people who, uh, they were at therapists for chronic depression, thought that they were just suffering from depression alone, and that was, that was it, and they were getting medicated, and then they found out it was from, from the, the CRS, the, the mold issue. Uh, people who uh, are, are diagnosed with things like Parkinson's because their motor issues get so bad they can barely walk, and they think, again, they're being treated for Parkinson's and things like that. I've seen this with people I know personally, and, and so 
they find out it's the mold issue, they get treated properly, and their lives are normal again. They go back to health. So it's huge, huge, huge information for people to know about. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely um, will link to your book as well, Paula, uh, and, and all of the information we talked about so that, again, these resources are available and we can spread the word. And, and please, those of you listening, you know, share this on your Facebook or send the URL to this podcast to your friends and let people know it exists because it's not just children with autism, though they are definitely affected. The parents, uh, all of these other people that you know that might be having um, health issues going on, this is something to look into to at least see if it is a potential issue in their health in their health problems so that they can get better. Um, so thank you so, so much, Paula, for, for joining us today and giving us your, your information. And I really look forward to reading your book. My pleasure. Thank you, Karen. All right. Take care.